Welcome to Ask a Lawyer with me, Steve Sleeper. Our guest today is attorney Susan E. Williams with Susan E. Williams, attorney at law in Somerville, South Carolina. Susan is a native South Carolinian who says choosing the right attorney can be the most important step you'll ever take. If you need help, call her for a free consultation. I began the interview by asking Susan about herself and her firm. Steve, I'm a native of South Carolina. I've never lived anywhere else except South Carolina. And I became interested in the law when I was carjacked at gunpoint uh, on the University of South Carolina campus. That was my first glimpse at the criminal court system. Then I became a prosecutor and then later opened up my own law firm. And so that's what leads us. That's where we are right now. What should I expect from a good DUI defense lawyer? The first thing that comes to my mind is ethics. Maybe it doesn't come to every everyone else's mind, but it, it certainly is on the forefront of, of what I do in my practice. I, then I would look at someone who has experience in DUIs, someone who's either been, hopefully has been, has prosecuted DUIs and, uh, you know, maybe see how many DUIs have they handled. I, don't, I also think that communication is an important skill for lawyers and uh, their professional and online reputation. You know, perhaps they don't even have an online reputation. I can understand that, but their professional relation, their reputation within the legal community. Now, if I understand correctly, in South Carolina, there are field sobriety tests, but it does not include a breath test. Do I understand that correctly? We have field sobriety tests that are optional. We have okay. we have the breathalyzer that's optional. The breathalyzer is not something that happens on the roadside. Maybe is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the, the other tests like walking a straight line and the pen in front of the eyes and that t- type of thing, that happens on the roadside? Yes, that happens on the roadside. Okay, okay. If, if someone chooses to do that. They can okay. refuse to do that. So they can refuse to do it. How do how how do the police establish probable cause then to take them in? It's just their observations, or uh, how does that work? Right, right. So you know, it could be the smell of alcohol. It could be the perception of slurred speech. It could be red bloodshot eyes. And of course, being a criminal defense attorney, there are other reasons for all of those things. They right. can be right. And I suppose um, looking at the body cam videos or something, you can find some protocol mis- uh, mistakes uh, as well. Would that be a safe statement on my part? Right. Yes, there are, there are standard standardized. I'm, I'm sure you are aware there are sort of rules to go by when these field sobriety tests are being given by the police. Uh, they are set by the national highway traffic, safe traffic's, Safety Association or NHTSA. So um, that would be something to, that I I always look for in these field sobriety tests if, if the client decides to take those. If I decline the testing in South Carolina, uh, will my license automatically be suspended? If you decline the field sobriety test, not necessarily. If you decline the breathalyzer test, then your license will automatically be suspended in South Carolina. Okay. So tell me what happens 
after a person is arrested? Well, in South Carolina, uh, as long as nothing of the person that's being arrested, as long as they do not require medical attention, they are transported to the jail. And at the jail is where the breathalyzer test will be offered by a law enforcement officer. And then after that, they uh, spend the night in jail. They have a bond hearing. They're given a court date at that bond hearing. And then if they hire a lawyer, the lawyer will take it from there after reviewing the evidence and decide whether in their professional opinion, this client would benefit from a plea or a trial. And I'm guessing my license will be taken. Uh, Can you get a temporary license form or something so they can drive back and forth to work? So in South Carolina, as long as you apply for a temporary alcohol license, you can get a license. You have 30 days from the date of your arrest to apply for that. And that license doesn't restrict you from driving anywhere. Your bond restrictions can and usually do automatically restrict you from leaving the state of South Carolina. So the temporary alcohol license is good for up to one year or until the administrative law court judge makes a decision at that hearing. EUI first, what are the penalties? The penalties in South Carolina are uh, fine, jail time, depending on, you know, the mitigating factors, DUI first uh, is, is one of those, uh, is a misdemeanor as well. So it's uh, in traffic court. Do most of those plea out on DUI first? Well, I'd say having been a prosecutor and a defense attorney, I'd say that a plea is a lot more of a sure thing than a jury trial or a bench trial. A, a trial is a gamble for solicitor or prosecutor, it, and it's a gamble for a defense attorney. So I think your initial question was... Yeah, plea out. Yeah. yeah so. Depending on the client, uh, I mean, I, would, I, would, I feel more comfortable with knowing exactly what my client's going to get. So right, a plea would right. be pre- something that I would... You know, if, if it's something that I believe is reasonable, then I will say you should accept this. Or if I don't think it's reasonable, then we go on to trial. So, so for multiple offenses, uh, do those go to trial? How, what percentage uh, uh, would you say? Uh, let's say I got my fourth DUI. <laughs> Uh, would, would that would, would, has the stakes become higher? Is it more likely to go to trial? Those plea as well. The stakes are definitely higher, and DUI is what's called a graduated offense. So the more DUIs you get, the higher the penalties are. So as you move from, we're looking at in South Carolina, we're looking at like a ten year uh, period. If you get more than one DUI conviction within a ten year period, then you're moving from traffic court to general sessions court. And um, the so, you know, we're, we're moving from basically up to 30 days in jail to the stakes get progressively higher the more DUIs that you get. Um, I, I suppose the more DUIs you get, the greater the chance of jail time as opposed to uh, a DUI first. Maybe you just spend the night in jail with a first and then it kind of progresses from there, eh? Well, yes, sir. So, you know, up to 30 days in jail for a DUI first and then, you know, progressively gets worse as far as the exposure. 
you know, what you could be facing, but, you know, each individual DUI may have its own defenses and it doesn't necessarily mean that's what you will get. It's just what you are facing. Okay. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and thank you for making that distinction. Marijuana. How tough is that to prove? How tough is it to prove? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I smoked a joint before I left the house, you know, and, uh, uh, let's say I have a tail light out. So the cops got probable cause to pull me over and he thinks I'm stoned, but, um, maybe he has probable cause to arrest me, but is, is that pretty tough to prove or how does that work, work in South Carolina? Cause I know it's different from state to state. So, uh, just in general, their marijuana is illegal in South Carolina for any reason. We don't have medical reasons. We don't have, if you have marijuana for any reason, you you're violating the law in South Carolina. And then as far as proving that, of course, there is a misconception that driving under the influence is limited to alcohol, but it actually, I think what we're getting at here is you can get a DUI for marijuana for illegal substances and for legal substances. As far as proving whether or not uh, someone is under the influence of marijuana, there, there are different tests used for that than there are for alcohol and so uh, it, it can be a little bit more. I think that it's more. Di- I think it's more difficult to prove uh, being under the influence of marijuana than it is possibly uh, for alcohol. Right. Right. Aren't there like three, two or three stages of what's in your blood? Like there, there, there's going to be more in your blood if you if i smoked a joint and drove to the grocery store to get some oreos uh as as opposed to i smoked a joint a couple of days ago and and how would that affect your case and do do they take uh draw blood for marijuana or suspected marijuana use well i don't i haven't handled as many of those cases but um if you get a blood test for marijuana then you know i would absolutely uh ask my client and, and get my client to get an expert, a chemist who mm-hmm. would know far more is way out off of my pay grade, uh, to get into the blood test results. And, um, but you know, when clients hire me, I tell them this is the fee that you are looking at for hiring me. And this does not include an expert witness. And as the case progresses, if it becomes, evident that we need an expert, then I would turn that over to the experts who study this day in and day out. So if it's a DUI first and it was marijuana, it might be better to plea bargain then, huh? And uh, avoid all the expense. Well, it depends on, it really depends on the facts because in South Carolina, we have mandatory video and audio for certain parts of a DUI. For example, Miranda the Miranda warnings must be given and they must be on audio and video. So, you know, I have people come possibly come calling me saying, you know, I have, I blew a 0.23. There's no way I'm going to win this. And then we, if you don't ever look at the video, then you don't know whether or not those boxes are checked for Miranda being on video and audio. And, And there's evolving case law on Miranda uh, not just Miranda being on audio and video, but also the field sobriety test. So, you know, it really is like a case by case basis. Are you seeing any prescription med uh, meds of rest? Um, Absolutely. Okay. 
I've seen uh, legal prescriptions. I've seen even illegal medications such as NyQuil. Um, You know, people can abuse whatever it is, you know, whatever it is that makes a person, any substance, whether it's legal or illegal, that makes a person's ability um, to their to the point that they're appreciably impaired, materially and appreciably impaired is legal jargon for you shouldn't be driving because you're too impaired to drive. Uh, If the state can prove that whatever substance you had, then you could be found guilty of driving under the influence. Well, let's say I, boy, this is really hypothetical, but let's say uh, I have anxiety. I have a prescription for Xanax. I take two a day. Maybe my chances of getting pinched for a DUI are not so great. Maybe as if, uh, as opposed to maybe if I take seven a day, right? I mean, it, it does it all come down to abuse of a prescription med? I think it all comes down to voluntary intoxication. You're responsible for however you react when you're on two Xanax or seven. Okay. Um, so, you know, it, people, this is a very common issue that comes up with DUI case law, cases, case law, whatnot. And unless someone slipped you seven Xanax in your um, glass of a a gin and tonic at the bar while you went to the bathroom and and now you're involuntary intoxicated, you know, you didn't, you didn't knowingly take it. That's a different situation and you have a defense potentially for that, but you just took seven because you were extra stressed about going on the Steve Sleeper podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get pulled over and you, you know, if the state can prove that your voluntary intoxication caused you to be impaired, then you could be found guilty, possibly, you know, depending on all the other evidence of driving under the influence. What would you say that I'm on this prescription med kick, but uh, are, are most of them, um, illegal or I don't have a script for it uh, versus I'm, um, you know, I'm under a doctor's care. Does that make sense? Uh, You know, I bought the drugs illegally. Is that, does that play into it quite a bit? Sure. And so, you know, as you, as you probably know, Xanax, six Xanax, for example, it can be a tablet, a bar, whatnot. And, you know, you have, let's say you're, prescribed a certain amount, but you're found with a diff- totally different prescription amount. You know, you're maybe you're, I don't know, it's five milligrams, but you're, I don't, I don't know what the, what the dosages are, but if your dosage is for X and you're found with dosage for Y, then we, somebody's got some explaining to do and you're going to be, you know, whether, whether you have a prescription that's a, a, also has to be a current prescription. So, you know, we look at the prescription itself. Is it current? And then also, did you have the correct dosage? But but even beyond that, you go go right back to voluntary intoxication or voluntary impairment versus involuntary. And so really, you know, just because you have a prescription does not mean, I mean, what if you have a prescription and then you run over someone? I mean, you're you're still responsible. You're absolutely um, responsible for whatever conduct you have while you're on a prescription drug or a non-prescription drug, whether you got it legally or illegally. 
if I understand correctly, then um, with any kind of drug, the arresting officer has to have probable cause, and then they're going to do a blood test uh, uh, somewhere else, not on the roadside. Is that correct? Well, they, they first have to have some kind of reasonable suspicion. Like, why okay. do they, let's say it's a traffic stop, and uh, the reason is you are swerving and you're not swerving just within your lane. You're swerving outside of your lane and a couple lane, you're drifting way over and you know, it, it, they pull you over. They have to have reasonable suspicion to pull you over and assuming they have that, then they, uh, then they must have some kind of probable cause uh, for your arrest. The arrest, uh, you know, we do the field sobriety test if that's what the client decides to do there. And then, in South Carolina, you are uh, transported to a facility that uh, has a breathalyzer and it has an audio and video camera there. And then you'll be given a choice on whether you want a breath test. You can refuse that and you can ask for your own blood test. You can ask for that. It's called uh, substantial assistance. And um, you can ask to have your own uh, testing of your choosing, or you can ask to have, you know, be transported to a place that does blood testing, but, um, it, it is not a blood test is not a requirement in South Carolina, assuming there's no accident. Okay. Here's, here's my last question for you. If I plan on pleading guilt, I'm racked with guilt. I just want to plead guilty to a DUI. Do I still need an attorney? I say you still need an attorney, and I'm not saying that to benefit myself. Whether it's me or somebody else, an attorney can show you possible defense, what possible defenses you have. Just like the example that I had where someone blew a over a point two, the legal limit in South Carolina is point zero eight. So point basically like an eight or a 20. Um, if you don't really get into those decimal points, but yeah. There are video recording statutes and evolving laws in South Carolina. Sometimes a DUI defense is not based on the number. It's based on whether or not the, the audio or video statute or current case law is, is in compliance, whether that case complies with that. And there, the, the case law is always evolving. So even when you think, um, you know, I, I am, I have completely blown this literally if you blew on the breathalyzer, a criminal defense attorney may be able to help you. And so the, the problem or one of the things that I always think about are these collateral consequences of a DUI. And so if you, if you run the risk of, of pleading guilty and not having an attorney, then then it could be on your record. It may not be something that's expungible in whatever state you live in. That means it may stay on your criminal record. And if you want to be a truck driver or you want to whatever Uber driver, then that could affect your future. Um, not to mention it, it, it really is uh, something that has a carries a, a stigma with it. Our thanks to attorney Susan E. Williams with Susan E. Williams, attorney at law in Somerville, South Carolina, for being our guest on Ask a Lawyer with me, Steve Sleeper. Her phone number is 
607-9800. And her website is swilliams-law.net.